Hey everybody, welcome to Sermons from Centerpoint. My name is Chris and I'm so glad that you're tuning in with us today. This week's sermon is based off the scripture of 1 Corinthians 8, 1-13 and Matthew 15, 10-20. Two weeks ago we talked about listening to those whom we've disqualified. One week ago we talked about preaching to those whom we've disqualified because God loves them. This week, we're getting to the heart of the matter. This week, in the Matthew scripture, Jesus Christ is talking about that which defiles. And surprise, it's not what goes into the body, but it's what comes out of the heart. At its core, God wants us to be real with him. God wants us to be honest and authentic. And he wants to meet us where we are. He wants to change us where we are. That requires that we give up these things which we've justified. Maybe it's hatred of another. Maybe it's lust. Maybe you covet something that you just really want and have justified that you deserve. The truth of the matter is that all of these things going on in our heart get in the way of our relationship with God. So for us to meet him, for us to draw closer to him, for us to have an actual relationship with him, We need to start here by being real, by being honest with the God of the universe who already knows our hearts, and by submitting these things to him that get in the way. Well, as always, I've started preaching a little bit early, (laughs) so I'm going to go ahead and pass it off to myself and the liturgist as they introduce this week. My apologies about any popping or sound quality that you hear. We had a mic fail on us right before the service, and so I had to result to using a handheld mic. So things might sound a little bit different. Did my best to take care of it, um, but I'm just going to stop talking about it and let you enjoy the message. (laughs) Uh, Blessings, everyone. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We'll now move on to our time of scripture. And Lisa, what are we reading today? We are reading 1 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 13. Now concerning food sacrificed to idols, we know that all of us possesses knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Anyone who claims to know something does not yet have the necessary knowledge but anyone who loves God is known by him. Hence, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that no idol in the world really exists and that there is no God but one. Indeed, even though there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as in fact there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things for whom we exist and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. It is not everyone, however, who has this knowledge, since some have become so accustomed to idols until now. 
They still think of the food they eat as food offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Food will not bring us close to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat, and no better off if we do. But take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if others see you who possess possesses knowledge, eat eating in the temple of an idol, maybe might they not, since their conscience is weak, but encouraged to the point of eating food sacrificed to idols? So by your knowledge, those weak believers for whom Christ died are destroyed. But when you thus sin against members of your family and wound their conscience, when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food is a cause of their falling, I will not eat meat so that I may not cause one of them to fall. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you. All right, if you would join me for our gospel reading, if you would stand as you are able, the reading of Matthew chapter 15, verses 10 through 20. Then he called to the crowd, that is Jesus, and said to them, listen and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but it is what comes out of the mouth that defiles. Then the disciples approached and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard what you said? And Jesus answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. And if one person guides another, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, explain this parable to us. And then Jesus said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth enters the stomach and goes out into the sewer? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles. For out of the heart comes evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile. The word of God for the people of God. Amen. You may be seated. So, Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk uh, uh, about the topic of spiritual formation and what that means for a Christian. And I feel like these two scriptures get us to where we need to go. I want to say back in 2012, my friend Walter Pressure invited me to go on a Spartan race with him. Now, if any of you don't know what a a Spartan race is, it is a 3.1 mile run with about 20 or so some odd obstacles in between. Um, it It is arduous, and there are different levels. There's the Spartan sprint, so on and so forth, going all the way up to the Spartan beast, which is a 50-mile thing. Yeah, I see Kathy just shaking her head like, nope. And I'm right there with you. (laughs) 
and a hundred or so obstacles. Now, when he asked me to take part in this with him, at first I was very intimidated. I thought to myself, there's no way. I, this is just crazy. Um, but finally I relented because he was my friend and I decided I would help him out. And it would be fun to do with him. So for me to get into, <laughs> for me, <laughs> I got into the best shape of my life. <laughs> uh, for me to get into that mode, I had to do certain things. If I was to go and do the Spartan race now, as I am, I'm almost fairly certain I would die. <laughs> However, I had no intentions of dying back then. So with that said, I had to train myself. And so, for the months leading up to the Spartan race, I ran. I didn't have crazy obstacles and stuff that I could do, but I ran. I had a pair of Vibram shoes, which if you don't know, they're the toe shoes, and I loved those things, and I ran everywhere in them, and I especially loved running in grass. But I got down to the first time since high school under 200 pounds, which for me was quite an achievement. And I had this big bushy beard, and I was growing up my hair, so I looked like a real fit uh, John the Baptist. But this uh, took time. It took time for me to get into it. In fact, when I first started, I got gassed really easy. I could maybe go a quarter of a mile and then stop. A quarter of a mile and stop. And eventually I got up to where I could do a half mile run. And then I'd stop. Half mile. And then a mile. And so on and so forth. You get the idea. I was training my body. I was getting stronger. And it took time. It took time. It took time and it took devotion because not only was the workout routine arduous and not only was it needed, but also I had to make other fundamental changes to who I was. I needed to watch what I ate. I needed to make certain I got enough sleep. Because as I learned, getting enough sleep was just as important to weight loss as running and eating. So there are all these lifestyle changes I needed to make. And so what ended up happening was is I went down from about 237 to 199.6. I still count it. It counts. And uh, I was in the best shape of my life. I felt good. I felt great. And I remember uh, after that race, I wasn't certain what I was going to do next. But I was a youth director. And so I could really wear that look for as long as I wanted to. I could get away with it. But I remember one specific moment where my wife and I were walking down uh, Key Avenue, which is the main street in Lampasas, Texas. And uh, by this, at this point in time, Josiah was two, maybe three. So he was in the stroller. And I remember we looked at a Dairy Queen. And I thought to myself, as we passed that Dairy Queen on that beautiful, warm night, just as we walked over the river, it was picturesque. And I just thought to myself, 
you know what? I deserve that. And so began the decline. So why do I tell you this story? What does it mean? Jesus talks here in this scripture from Matthew about that it's not what goes into the body that defiles it, but it is the heart. See, here's the thing about weight loss, getting in shape, all of those things, is they require a fundamental change in your heart before you can go forward. They require a change. Fundamental change that's deep. You have to not just passingly want this thing, you have to want it. You have to desire it with every fabric of your being. How often as Christians do we say that as it pertains to our discipleship? As it pertains to us being molded by God? You see, later on in the Gospels, Jesus encounters a very rich man. And he comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I have done X, Y, and Z. I've contributed to A, B, and C. I've done all of these things. Have you followed the law? I have followed the law. See, he has done everything that he needs to do to be Mr. Believer. And then Jesus Christ asks him a simple question. And he says, all right, give up everything that you have and come follow me. And that is where the rubber meets the road for this young rich man. Because he was able to do all of these things to have the title of believer. But was he willing to go that step that he needed to to actually be a believer? To go deeper? To not just acting out the words and, and doing the law, but acting out the law. You see, at some point in time, we as believers have to make that decision. There is a passive Christianity where we are, yeah, we're Christians and yeah, we do this and so on and so forth. But then there is the other side of it where God calls us to go out and be the kingdom. See what Jesus is saying here, and I'll read it again. What comes out of the mouth, verse 18, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles he goes on to talk about the big things from the, that we have in our hearts. The evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. All of us would say, well, we don't do any of these things. 
That's fine. We've checked the box just like the young rich man. But how often are we willing to take it a step further and let God hold us accountable in our own hearts to see that even the things that go on in our mind and those thoughts that we would never share with company, can we submit those to the cross as well? Can we go from just checking a box to living out a vibrant faith that changes us just as much as I was changed by my training for the Spartan race? Because that is what a walk of faith and discipleship does. Yeah, I haven't committed murder, but I sure know the things that I've said about people in my head. Yeah, I haven't committed lust. I haven't cheated on my wife, but I sure know those thoughts in my heart and my head. The trick of the matter is, can we submit them to Christ as opposed to entertaining them? Now, I don't know if you guys do this, but I know I do. When I get into the shower sometimes, I'll have long arguments with people from uh, discussions I've had in the past in my head. Sometimes it comes out in my voice and my, and my wife gets you know very uh, worried uh, but most of the time, it's in, my, it's in my head, and I can picture everything in my mind's eye. I can picture where that person is standing, where we are, and just the what for I would give that person. Right? Am I willing to submit that to Christ? Are we willing to go from checking off the box disciples to actually being disciples? Can I, can I nip that in the bud and not give in to that satisfaction, that human satisfaction I feel, and instead... Submit that to Christ. And ask him that even God would change my heart towards that person I'm arguing with in my head. That God would change my heart towards this person or this thing or what have you. Because as Jesus says, let's go back to it again, verse 18, because this is the this is the crux of the scripture here. What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and that is what defiles. <coughs> Allergies. 
I remember once when I was a kid, and uh, I went on this really long trip with my grandfather. And I, I think it was to take something to the junkyard or something like that. But we got back, and we had a really good time, actually. But by the time we got back, I realized that I forgot to do a chore at home, or I messed up on something. And my dad gave me, what, four. And I remember I turned around, and I looked at my grandpa, and I don't remember the exact words, but I tried to kind of, like, insinuate that it was, well, it's because I went to go help grandpa that I didn't do this. It's because he came and grabbed me. And I remember the look that my grandpa gave me, and I melted. I'm certain that all of us have this idea of God in our lives as my grandpa in that moment where we melt under the shame of our sin, whatever that sin might be. But I might suggest to you that it is not shame but accountability that God seeks. In scriptures, and I talk about them a lot because I think it's just a really great example, um, how David was a man after God's own heart. David was a man who committed conspiracy to commit murder. Let me repeat that. He was a man who... <laughs> he was a, in a conspiracy to commit murder against the husband of the lady whom he slept with. It's pretty terrible. It's pretty awful. But after this whole thing goes down, after uh, Bathsheba's husband passes away, he's held accountable. And David has one of two choices for how to respond. His first choice is to double down, call out Nathan, send him to the stocks, and for him to be executed immediately. He's the king. He could do that. His other option is to let God speak through Nathan into his life to hold him accountable for the sin that no one else would know. Or that no one else would hold him accountable for. He was the king. He could have gotten away with it. But rather than double down, rather than get angry, rather than execute Nathan, he changes. He is held accountable by God's own word. He sits in the middle of Jerusalem in sackcloth and ashes. He weeps. Because David would let himself be held accountable by God. Now here is the first step for spiritual formation. Now I could talk to you all about ten different great ways to read the Bible or to pray or to uh, do these other things, but the truth of the matter is we need to get to the heart 
of the matter. And the heart of the matter is your heart. What God sees. And even though we might have some mental idea that sure he sees it, but I'm forgiven as a sinner. Can we have the same heart as David to repent over that sin? Because from the heart goes all manner of evil. And it doesn't end. But we as believers need to submit that to God. It's what he is calling for. It's what he is asking for. The other scripture I have here is from 1 Corinthians 8, 1 through 13. And we talked a little bit about it in Sunday school, but the idea is, is that there is this issue in the church of Corinth. All right? There are all these new believers who are coming into the church in Corinth. And there's essentially two types of believers. One type is saying, uh, oh, we don't believe in those gods anymore. They're not real, so let's go eat that meat from the temple. There's no big deal. The other group, who are also non-believers, who have converted, have so associated worship with the eating of that food that it becomes a sin to them in their own hearts if they were to go back to the way they were before, they were to eat of that before. And Paul essentially says to those who don't think it's that big of a deal, don't eat it. For the sake of your brothers and sisters in Christ who are struggling with this. Because you have to remember, they eat, they ate together. This wasn't something like, like, we might do, we're, we're in our cubicle or we're in our office or we're alone at eating and we're just eating a sandwich. No, they, it, was a, it was a communal thing to eat together. So you've got people bringing in this temple meat into the church. And it was a stumbling block. And so what Paul is saying to this group over here that doesn't think it's a big deal is let's get to the heart of the matter. If this thing is a stumbling block to your brothers and sisters in Christ, maybe it's something that we need to lay at the foot of the cross. That we need to sacrifice. So what is it in your life that you need to sacrifice? That you need to submit at the foot of the cross? Is it fantasies of revenge that we rehash over and over in the shower? That was me saying, I'm guilty. Is it lust? Is it a person you just don't really like at all? Maybe it's somebody you know in person. Maybe it's a political figure. Maybe it's a group of people. But if we are hating those people in our hearts, how can we let the God of love change us when we hold on to that hate? 
See, here is the issue that Jesus is getting at. And this is where spiritual formation begins. What's going on in your heart? And can you be real about it enough to the God of the universe who sees you anyway? Will you submit that and let him change you? Because those are our options. We might try and rationalize it one way or the other, but the truth of the matter it is to stay where we are stagnant in our sin and in our hate and in our frustrations or to be transformed into who God wants us to be so that we can be agents of the kingdom in this world so that other people might see him and be changed. But we can't do that if we're a stumbling block to not just other people, but ourselves. Will you let God change your heart? We know what Christ has done for us on the cross. The penalties and the payment, the pain, the torture, the hurt, we know he's good for it. We know he's legit. So can we submit ourselves just like he submit his own life? That is what God is calling of us. And that is the beginning. For the Spartan race, I had to make a decision. In the core of my being, in the heart of my hearts, for what I wanted. So, do we want to actually be disciples? Or do we just want to check off the box? Let's pray. Father God, we come before you and we give you thanks. We ask, oh Father God, that you would search our hearts and that you would help us, oh Father God, to submit them to you. That whether it be the hatred that is in it, the lust, the covetousness, the evil intentions, the adultery, the false witness, the desire to justify any of it, that God help us to submit it before your throne. Help us to draw closer to you so that our lives can be changed. God, we need you. 
In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.